When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. My name is Ben Hocking on what is the last preview podcast of 2020. No doubt it's one we won't forget in a long, long time. And the season is finishing off in Abu Dhabi, as has been the case for quite a while now, of course. Fortunately, we have two guys joining me who are as passionate about this track as anyone in the world. Harry Eid, Sam Sage, <laughs> last one of 2020, guys. Thank God this year is almost done. Dragging myself across the line into 2021 by the literal skin and fingertips. Get me into a nice normal year. Although the racing's been pretty poggers, hasn't it, this season? Pretty top notch. Um, so hopefully. Did you say poggers? I have just said the word <laughs> poggers. Um, Pog champ. So maybe Abu Dhabi might come out. Maybe it'll rain. Something exciting might happen because this year's been ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with Sam's sentiment there about it could be insane, but it probably won't be. And, you know, if 2020 was a year, uh, sorry, <laughs> if 2020 was a circuit, <laughs> if 2020 was a circuit, it would be Abu Dhabi, wouldn't it? I think it would be something. You know, it, it, start, it, it starts off pretty fun. You think, oh, this is nice. It's, you know, fast and flowing. And then it's just 90 degree left-handers and right-handers until you come to a really disappointing finish. Honestly, we we are at the end of 2020 now and Harry's saying that it's been a year and, and Sam saying the word poggers. It's, it's, we are literally <laughs> like Lewis Hamilton across the line at Silverstone, just like Drag creeping it. over. Drag yeah. it. I mean, um, disappointing finishes and late breaking go hand in hand, really. <laughs> they sure do. I think we should move on. <laughs> All right, yeah. Here's what's on the agenda for today's podcast then. So we've just one race left in the 2020 season. We ask whether it has been amongst the best of the hybrid era or not. Fernando Alonso is set to take place at the Young Drivers Test. Steve Ruskemi means flying around all over the place. How do you do, fellow kids? We'll be discussing what the 39-year-old should be doing, uh, whether he should be allowed to compete in the event. And we'll be playing a game of F1 Guess the Year. Harry versus Sam in a battle to be the best, or at least be the least worst. But first of all, we're going to look ahead to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Well, wise to put in a disclaimer at this point, actually, we do not know whether it will be George Russell and Valtteri Bottas or Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas or Lewis Hamilton and Dave Benson Phillips. We don't know what the lineup is going to be at the moment. So... I hope it's that one. I, I do hope it's the last of that, but we don't know at the moment. So we'll, we'll look out for Bottas, because Bottas should be there, unless Instagram bios are now deciding where people drive. Um, he should be in the car. So Sam, does he need to win after what happened in Bahrain? Yeah, especially if George is on the other side of the garage. Um, 
I think, well, let's, let's all be honest, right? If George can get the puncture, which is just, Bottas gets a bang luck, but George had one shot, which Sky Sports, by the way, bloody loved playing M&M. Um, they rinsed, they it, rinsed it dry. I hope he got a good plate full of mum's spaghetti before that race. <laughs> um, so, re- realistically, I think we can all safely assume that, that George was going to, to beat Bottas um, around... The secure circuit had everything just gone to plan and Jack Aitken hadn't suddenly deployed the entertainment bomb with about 10 laps to go. Um, so he's beating him once, effectively. If George Russell turns up to Abu Dhabi and they, he is driving that Mercedes, I mean, if he's driving the Williams and beats Bottas on pace, then there's a whole different story. But if he beats Bottas in that sister car, you know, the, the other side of the garage, then um, I think Bottas' career as a Mercedes driver might be over. Beating twice in a row at two separate circuits by a rookie driver, that shows it's not a circuit thing. That shows it's not an off day. That shows he's not struggling. That is pace. And George Russell has got more of it than Valtteri Bottas. And if, if he does it twice in a row, that is a, a big worry. Big sad for Valtteri Bottas and his career. So, yeah, Bottas needs to beat Russell. And he needs to beat him the same way we said he should have beaten him at the Secure Grand Prix. 10, 15, 20 seconds in front of George Russell. It is clear that Russell is no slouch. He can bring it to the grid at the front there. He can fight his way in. The start was brilliant. The wheel-to-wheel racing, that move around the outside was something to behold from a man that's only been in that car for two days. So Russell can deliver when he needs to. We've now seen that. So Bottas needs to step up. Otherwise, he's at risk of being a number two to another British man. Well, what do you say, Harry? Do you think that Valtteri Bottas needs this race win? Yeah, I think I don't think it matters who's in the car next to him this weekend, whether it's George Russell, whether it's Lewis Hamilton, whether it's Dave Benson Phillips. Um, Craig Charles. It, oh, what a guy. Craig, uh, yeah, Craig, could be Craig Legend. Charles. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think mean, Bottas just needs to win it. A, for his own... His own confidence, I think, going into the winter break. Um, he's taken a battering from Hamilton this year. And then just when he thought that battering was over, George Russell came along and gave him a second battering. Um, you know, even if technically Russell didn't even finish in front of him, it didn't, didn't matter, did it, last weekend? Um, yeah, so I think no matter who he's sat next to come uh, Sunday afternoon in Abu Dhabi, he, he, need, he needs to win just for his own sake because he's going to always go into the winter a battered man, um, you know, which could help for next year, but it's not going to help his reputation, if we're being honest. Um, yeah, and, you know, will his Mercedes, will his F1 career suffer for it because of it? I think quite possibly. Um, yeah, I've already, seen, I've already seen a headline that Russell saying he thinks he's provided Toto with a headache for their driver lineup options for 2022 or earlier, which is, you know, getting the mind in the mind of Walter already so um yeah I think this is definitely a, a must win this weekend for Bottas yeah and this is gonna sound weird but I think Valtteri Bottas should be absolutely begging Lewis Hamilton to have another weekend on the sidelines and that George Russell should be in that car again uh and obviously we're unsure at this moment in time Lewis Hamilton did put out a video earlier today we're recording this on a Tuesday actually um so he put out a video hoping that he would make the weekend but it's still uncertain at the point of recording I think he needs George Russell to be in that other seat because if he isn't it doesn't matter what the result is against Lewis Hamilton those questions those concerns those people who doubt him they're just going to carry on 
because there's going to be no second battle. There's going to be nothing to go against it. You know, with Lewis Hamilton, we've seen Valtteri Bottas beat Lewis Hamilton, not all that consistently, but we've seen him beat him. So if Bottas turns up in Abu Dhabi and wins the race and Lewis Hamilton say he's back in the Mercedes and he finishes second, I don't think any of the comments surrounding his poor performances against George Russell disappear because in that instance, they've only faced each other once and it's very clearly George Russell who came out on top. So what Bottas really needs more than anything is an opportunity to show himself and show his ability versus George Russell in a direct one versus one battle. Now, I don't think, regardless, let's say that it is Bottas and Russell in the car, I think regardless of what happens with Valtteri Bottas, whether he wins, whether he loses, I don't think he can gain back the lost reputation of Sakia or the you know, Sakia Grand Prix in Bahrain. That's like a great film, by the way. The lost it's- reputation of Sakia. Coming coming to screens next year. Keep keep your eyes peeled. Um, yeah, I don't think it really matters what Bottas does. In that, I I don't think he'll gain back his full reputation from that race. You know, if Bottas goes out and dominates Russell in the same car, people come away from it saying, "Well, it was one all." I think overall that's a net good result for George Russell. So I don't think he'll gain it all back, but he'll at least gain some of it back. It will be a start at least. Uh, And in terms of whether Valtteri Bottas needs to win for the sake of next season and building momentum, the problem for Valtteri Bottas is he's tried it both ways and it hasn't worked either way. So you remember back in the end of 2017, he actually won the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and he finished as runner-up in the two races before that. So his last three races of 2017 were second, second and first. Had a really good run to end the year. Not quite, you know, the win streak, but... It was at least building momentum in a similar way to Rosberg in 2015. The problem is 2018, the year after it happened, he didn't win a race, so it didn't work. He's also done it the other way in that 2018, he finished off the year with four races without a podium. And it's not as if he was competed with Lewis Hamilton for the championship in the following year, that being 2019. So it's happened. He's had a very good end of the year, hasn't worked. He's had a very bad end of the year, hasn't worked. So that is a bit concerning from Valtteri Bottas' perspective. What I would say is that this is actually, statistically speaking, the the worst form in Valtteri Bottas' Mercedes career. The last three races, if you remember, he didn't score in Turkey and he's had back-to-back eighth-place finishes in the last two races in Bahrain. So he's had a grand total of eight points from his last three races. That is his worst three-race stretch in his Mercedes career, you have to go back to 2016 and his William days for the last time that he was that poor across a three-race stretch. His next worst in a Mercedes in three races is 18 points. You know, eight versus 18 is a fairly big margin. Um, for the record, that was in the middle of 2018 when he retired from Austria and had a bad race in France as well, I think. But it just goes to show that this form that he's been displaying the last three races is is not only bad it, it is actually his worst since going to mercedes so he could do with a win to snap that stagman for that, <laughs> that was stellar yeah i enjoyed that it's because he also he got taken out didn't he or he took something out on the first corner of the french grand prix yeah so he uh yeah he finished he still recovered for some points in that race, but yeah, I think he only finished seventh in that one. Uh, then he retired from the Austrian Grand Prix. I think that was the year that both Mercs retired um, and then finished fourth at Silverstone. So even so, that's that's better than the three-race stretch that he's had, you know, the last three Grand Prix. 
I'll be interested to know what Hamilton's worst three scratch races in a Mercedes. It's a good question. I wish I'd looked that up, but I don't know. Folks, let us know over on Twitter at L Breaking if you're there. Give us a shout. I would hazard a guess and say it's not eight. <laughs> it's probably but at least twenty six. <laughs> Now, we know that regardless of whether Hamilton races or not, the championship is decided. That is the Drivers' and the Constructors' Championship. That's been sewn up for a few Grand Prix now. But something that's very much alive is the battle for third place. Now, we thought that Racing Point were on the back foot after the first race in Bahrain, but they turned up in the second race in Bahrain and scored 40 points thanks to Perez's win and Lance Stroll's third place. So, Racing Point now hold a 10-point advantage over McLaren, 194 against 184. And if both of them slip up, Renault could be there to pick up the pieces. They have 172 points. So overall, 22 points separating those three teams in that battle for third. Um, Harry, do you think that they will, uh, they being racing point, do you think that they will see this out and end up finishing third? I mean, we've seen already how quickly, how easily it can it can it can swing and it's kind of been the story of the entire year but the two races in Bahrain have showed uh you know uh, showed showed how easily it, it can change um you know you you probably put your money on racing point but yeah anything can seem to happen in the in the midfield battle at the moment so i i wouldn't rule out mclaren or even renault making it there at, uh you know by the checker flag on sunday um yeah i mean it's been there it's been the, probably the fight of the year, hasn't it, to, to watch that midfield battle. I mean, imagine, you know, this is not a slight on Verstappen or uh, Mercedes, but imagine if the midfield battle was the fight for the championship. We would be salivating at the prospect of this finale in Abu Dhabi. It would be ridiculous. But um, anyway, it's still good to watch. Um, yeah, I think it's any, anyone's game, to be honest. Um, and, and I'd be... I'd be happy for any of those teams. I think they've all they've all had cracking years and they've all been on the podium, which is good to see. Yeah, and unless I've gone mad, they've they've both had both drive they've all had both drivers on the podium as well, which is very correct. Correct. Yeah. Um yeah, what do you think, Sam? Do you think that Racing Point will will see this off now? <sighs> I mean the the track played perfectly into their hands last time out. Of course the events they weren't able to to predict, no one knew that Mercedes would have some of their worst strategic calls since joining the sport. Um, but the track, you know, gave itself perfectly to Racing Point. That straight line advantage, low traction to get them going again, uh, strong acceleration, it's engine power. And the Mercedes is currently still the best with, with outright engine power that we have on the grid. Um, and with the talent that Sergio Perez has, it's hard now to look past them. Renault seem a little bit hit and miss. You know, Ricardo had a bad race for, by his own standards. Uh, in Sakir. Ocon did well, but again, Ocon's almost been the flip side. Most races have been average to good, whereas this one was exceptional. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to having another average to good race. And I think Ricardo will have a, a good race, but I don't think they're going to be able to score to the same level that we saw last time out. And that, I think, is going to save Racing Point. I think it's going to be very even. I think we'll see quite a standard race in that midfield area. I think there'll be both the Mercs will be in the top seven or eight. Ricardo, possibly Ocon, will be you know, fighting in that top 10. And if Stroll has a good weekend, that's kind of almost a decider. Perez, unless he gets taken out, and to us, that doesn't even matter. Man got taken out last time and still won the race. Um, <laughs> so unless he gets taken out properly this time, and Stroll is, is not on one, that's how they lose it. But I think Perez is, is almost guaranteed a top six. He's that good. 
And I think that Stroll, if he has a good race weekend, could be right behind Perez. I think they've got it sewn up. I think the most reliable force we have are Norris and Sainz. I'd actually say that the only time that Norris has actually really disappointed me all season was the Sakir Grand Prix. He just wasn't on it. Sainz has been very consistent. Those guys as a partnership are very, very close in terms of ability. Um, so I think they're the real challenges out the three. But I do think that uh, Racing Point, after that victory in third place, have enough in the bag just to scrape through the third place. And you know what? They're becoming Aston Martin, who I've always been very fond of. Sergio Perez might not be in the sport anymore uh, after this race, which would be tragic. I wouldn't mind seeing them third, actually. Uh, McLaren will definitely go well next year in that uh, McLaren Mercedes, and they're getting their chassis sorted. Renault are continuing to be up, and they've got uh, the GOAT Fernando joining them. So um, I, I have no issue with Racing Point taking third place. I think it's very well earned. I will have to say that there is only one GOAT, and that is Roy Nassani. But, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think in this situation, Renault are, are definitely the outsiders and they will struggle to finish third overall. Perhaps they can nick fourth place if something happens ahead of them, but I, I just can't see them finishing third place. Ultimately, Renault, if they were to finish fourth and fifth in the Grand Prix, which I'm, I'm sure we would agree would be a very good result for them, that would still only put them level with Racing Point and that would be essentially then banking on them, not getting any points whatsoever, which again, seems unlikely. And then still, even if they did score no points in some miraculous race for Renault, they would still require McLaren to score less than 10, which, you know, all of those things need to come together for Renault. And it's fairly unlikely that one of them will happen, let alone all three. Uh, So I think this is pretty likely going to be Racing Point against McLaren. Um, I think Racing Point have definitely got the advantage here, not only just because they've got the 10 point advantage, of course, but they they do have the form as well. Um, and I agree with what you said, Sam. I think Lance Stroll is probably going to be the decider here. You know, I have a lot of confidence in the consistency of the likes of, of Norris and Sainz. Um, I think Sainz was slightly, has been slightly better in the second half of the year. I think Norris was slightly better in the first half of the year. But pretty much all season long, they have been consistent, give or take one or two bad performances here and there. And ultimately, Perez even with his rich vein of form, if, even if you take that out of the equation, he is consistent regardless. So he should be there or thereabouts. Therefore, that leaves Lance Stroll as the decider. Can he be on that same level as Sergio Perez? A lot of the time, the answer to that is yes. Sometimes the answer is no to that. And if it is no this weekend, that could well open the door for McLaren. I will say that, you know, Carlos Sainz has come out actually and said a few things about Racing Point and how he can't really believe how they've not already sewn up the third place in the championship and I'm not going to hold this massively against Carlos Sainz because I think I would be against 90% of the drivers on the grid if every single time they put down the performance of their own car uh, ahead of you know with someone else ahead of them Uh, nearly everyone does it so I'm not going to blame Carlos Sainz particularly for it but you know Racing Point have had a tough year in terms of in terms of COVID, of course, you know, Perez, two races out, Landstroll, one race out. They've had the most disruption there. They've had more retirements than McLaren and Renault as well. So, you know, Racing Point have had a collective seven retirements. McLaren have only had four, uh, which is the second best on the grid. Uh, and they've, of course, Racing Point had to deal with a 15-point deduction as well. Um, otherwise, this would be looking a lot more comfortable for Racing Point than what it is. So, you know, Racing Point have had to go through quite a few roadblocks this year so I, I don't love the statement of they should have sewn this up already um, even if they have been a marginally quicker car McLaren have been good all year as well so 
I think I think Racing Point will take it. Let's go on to some bold predictions. Sam. Oh, boldy, boldy, boldy. Just like Bruce Willis. Um, the issue is, I did terribly last week. Um, if any of you remember, I'll just name and shame myself. I predicted that both Williams drivers would score points. Ha! Ha ha! Oh, that was the biggest joke of the season, wasn't it? Um, it's hard to keep coming up with bold predictions as well when you've already done so many throughout a season. Um, but I think that Mercedes as a team, again, will score no more than eight points as a team. Wow. Pretty bold. That is pretty bold. That I was going to say, Sam, it's, also, it's pretty difficult to do bold predictions when 2020 keeps being ridiculous. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, I mean, what would have... Const- <laughs> <laughs> this is true. What would have constituted a bold prediction in 2019 just is the average race now. Exactly. All right, Harry, um, what have you got? I will go. Um, Abu Dhabi will be interesting. No, that's not a bold prediction. That's quite bold. Uh, no, bold. I'm going to... I'm going to go for um, the three, similar to what we had in Sakir, three main players will be taken out of the action on on lap one. Not saying who they'll be, or if they're from different teams. The three main players will be out of action on lap one, was that? Yeah, not not the three, but three. Okay. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) What what do you mean by... The three three main players there. Well, like th- three. I'm not saying it's all all three main players. There might be more than three, but I'm saying like you could have you know we have Verstappen, Leclerc, and Perez last race who were you know they would have been key, they were key in Perez, and I think Leclerc and Verstappen would have been key to the race. Oh, they were, they were okay. So you're saying there. like three of the top five or six or something might yeah might yeah, be yeah. cool. The I'm main players. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> All right, I need to ask you this question now, guys. I are, are you sitting comfortably? Because you're not yes. going to want to be stood up for this one. I've decided that because it's the last race of 2020, regular boldness just isn't going to cut it. You know, it, it's not going to be good enough. Oh God! And with 2020 the way that it's gone as well, yeah, you know, a regular bold prediction just isn't going to cut it. And what we've learned from Abu Dhabi over the last decade is that nothing exciting happens. So there's no point in putting a regular bold prediction out there because it's not going to happen. So you might as well go ridiculously bold and have some fun with it. So here's mine. Oh, I God. think that it's going to be a double podium for Alpha Tauri. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Oh, yes, sir. So if I end up being wrong, which is incredibly likely, it doesn't really matter because it's Abu Dhabi. And if I'm right, I'm a genius forever. Adam, we've had a great race. Uh, exactly. Well, to be fair, I'm all for it. Ben, sign me up. Combine all three of our bold predictions. I am here for it. <laughs> to be fair, if last week one of us has said, I think there will be two racing points on the podium and a Renault, we'd have told you to do one. Get lost, mate. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'm going for it. Why not? Which leads us on to, well, I've given away two-thirds of it on my part, but <laughs> poll one, two, three. Um, what are you saying, Sam? 
Uh, poll, I'm going to go with uh, Walter. Come on, Walter. I'm here. I'm supporting you. Number one cheerleader now. I'm backing you. We're going to do porridge training courses all week, and you're going to smash pole. Um, first place, though, I think is going to be... I can't believe I'm going to say this. Daniel Ricardo. Second That's place. That's not your bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Second place is... <laughs> And third place is going to be Max Verstappen. Oh, by the way, um, sorry. (laughs) My my bold prediction is that 20 drivers are going to start. Also, I think Russell's going to win the race in a Williams. Wow. (laughs) Ricardo first. That's that's pretty crazy. Um, Well, the Sagan's only scoring eight points max, so they can't be on the podium. This is true. This is true. I love our races here. I, I really hope that this is how it turns out. It's not going to, but it would be great. Harry, what have you got? Uh, I'm going to go for Bottas and Paul as well. I'm going to go for a Bottas win, Verstappen second, and uh, Lando Norris in third. Ooh. Bit, of, bit of Lando on the podium. Love to I think see you've that. overlooked the Rustmeister, my friend. I mean, we don't know if he's there. I think even then, you tell me that Lewis Hamilton's not always oh, getting taken out. Is he one of the three? Well, I didn't want to say uh, Russell or Hamilton because I don't know which one will be there. All right, I'll let you off. <laughs> I mean, that, that's essentially what I'm doing as well. Um, <laughs> I've, I've got Bot- go either or. Well, I've gone for Bottas pole and Bottas win because I know or I'm very confident that he's going to be in the seat. Um, well, and then obviously the Alpha Tauri's are going to block out second and third so I'll go with Gasly second and Kvyat third I love that I'm loving this but we have lost our minds yeah well it's we've, tw- got we've got less than a month of 2020 left it's about time it happened this is yeah, true this is true Speaking of 2020, uh, we'll move on to discussing the season as a whole. Um, So obviously there is still that one race in Abu Dhabi to go, but we're also confident that it's going to be incredible that we might as well do it now. So 17 races in 2020, pretty remarkable considering we didn't get going until July. No championship battle, but plenty of spicy races in there, new and returning tracks included as well. Harry? How do you think this stands up if you're comparing it to other seasons in the hybrid era? Um, I, I think it stands up pretty well. Um, I think we've had worse ones in the era. And even though we've not had a championship battle, I saw a great tweet. I think a lot of people tweet, retweeted it at the weekend, which was saying about how F1 is about stories. And the amount of stories we've had out of this year is insane. Just a ridiculous amount. If you actually sit and think about how many there have been, um, yeah, I think it stacks up really well. You know, a, a championship battle would have been a, a lovely added element to it. But if you know, I if I compared it to 14, 15, even potentially 16, you know, I, I'd say maybe I enjoyed this year more than those years because, yeah, we had a championship battle between Rosberg and Hamilton, but. It was only that was what it was all about. There wasn't, wasn't you know, as much to talk about. So, yeah, I, I yeah, I have really enjoyed this year. You know, Mercedes have, despite Mercedes being so dominant, and we, you know, we absolutely applaud their efforts. We've had some complete, completely bonkers races. Like I never would have thought an AlphaTauri and a Racing Point would have won a race this year. 
And, you know, as we pointed out just now, both drivers from Renault, McLaren and Racing Point have all stood on the podium this year. Another mad, mad stat. So, um, yeah, congrats 2020 and congrats F1 for even getting 17 races, let alone 17 races, that some of which were completely bonkers. So, um, yeah, uh, applaud, applauding them as well. Um, yeah, nice one, 2020. You did something okay for once. What do you say, Sam? Where do you think it ranks? I just want to congratulate COVID-19 for actually doing something nice out of the entire <laughs> year. And that was giving us one of the most compelling, interesting, dramatic seasons in terms of, as you said, Harry, F1 stories in years, years and years and years. You know, you think about it, we've had a seven-time world champion. We're still having a debate for what seat. Sergio Perez wins one race to go, maybe left his entire racing career. Gasly gets that victory after the Hubert story. There's so many fantastic moments throughout the whole of this season. And I think this is also proof that 2020 has been an example that we don't need 22, 23, 24, 25 races to have a fun exciting, dramatic season. So I think we need to take that away. It's also proven that old circuits make for great racing still. Imola was brilliant. Istanbul was fantastic. Portimao was unforgettable. Vigello, I said that was going to be a snore fest. Look at the drama that happened there. You know, the Nürburgring was great once again. I can't remember a bad Grand Prix, really. If you compare it to some of the Grand Prix we've had, Spain, there you go. Spain. No, even Russia was all right, but Spain was terrible. And that was the only one, and that's proof that it needs to leave. But oh, I think if we had a championship fight this season, you know, I'm talking about down to the last race, um, I think this would be the best season in the hybrid era if we had a championship fight. That is the thing for me that maybe separates the likes of 2018, where we had the Ferraris coming back and, you know, that battle going on. Um, or the Hamilton-Rosberg clashes with that drama. And that was all about kind of two people, you know, Hamilton-Rosberg or Hamilton-Vettel. Um, whereas I feel like if we had a championship fight here, if that Mercedes was a little worse, Verstappen, Bottas, Hamilton could have been going at this all season long. I think for me, that would have really just tipped it. It stands up brilliantly. And I don't think I'll forget this season for a very, very long time uh, with the amount of podium seasons we've had, the historic moments we've had, a seven-time world champion. It's brilliant. And I've loved it so much. And like I said, it's the one good thing that's come out of COVID that's given us this spicy, weird, unforgettable season. So I'll take it. And I think it will go down in history as one of those ones that we always remember and talk about. So it, it really does stand up as one of the best in the in the era. Could you, so, sorry, Ben, could you imagine if we did have a championship fight and we had last weekend where Hamilton's out because of COVID and Bottas and Verstappen have a chance to close him down in the final <laughs> few races. If they do that, Bottas becomes eighth and Verstappen's out on lap one. That would have been hilarious. Hamilton anyway. will streak across the track, I think, if that happens. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. Wow. Um, I, I would actually like to give some thanks to the Haas B team, also known as Ferrari, because <laughs> what they have given us this year is pure entertainment. If you think about it, like that's that's the core of all this is that Ferrari being so bad, and to be fair, Alex Albon, you might throw him in there as well. Those three drivers <laughs> or three seats that usually occupy three of the top six have been uh, either out of the equation or only slightly in the equation. It's created so many opportunities for the McLarens, the Renaults, the Racing Points 
Gasly taking a win. It's created all of these opportunities, which has just been ridiculous to watch and so much fun to watch. There hasn't been a championship battle, of course, uh, and I think it does always come down to the would you rather have uh, an exciting championship with dull races or would you rather have a dull championship with exciting races? Now, for me personally, the answer is definitely a dull championship with exciting races. Having said that, no championship can be complete without both, I think. Um, Just watching also like the F2 championship battle come to its conclusion in Bahrain, it it made me realise how much we, we miss it in F1, in that we've had slight championship battles in 17 and 18, but they didn't go down to the wire. We've we've gone a long time without having that championship battle in Formula One and actually watching it in Formula Two this weekend just sort of brought it to the forefront of my mind how much we miss it. But this season has been incredible. So I mean Sakir and Monza, we got two first time race winners in Perez and Gasly. I will say with both of those races, I think they were greatly helped by circumstances. So uh Sakir obviously with the Mercedes messing up and the safety car, I think that helped proceedings. Uh, and in Monza, it would have been the uh, would have been the red flag that helped proceeding. So I think they were not artificially great, but they were helped on their way quite significantly. But there have been other great races as well. Algarve is is one of my favourite this year. Might be because we were watching it together, but it, I thought that was a brilliant race. Um, Turkey ridiculously bonkers. Imola and Mugello, you rightly bring up, they there were concerns about both of those tracks and they were, I would say, both better than expected. Aust- the first race in Austria for me was is still probably race of the year. Um, the other race in Austria was good as well. Hungary, I think, was pretty good. Two Silverstone races were fine. I think the only fine. race... Fine! They were mentally good. The Silverstone ones. Yeah, we saw a man drag a car across the line with three tyres. Yeah, but the last lap was the yeah, last lap was good. The first race wasn't that great. Look, disappointing finishes have been spoken about a lot, and that was not a disappointing finish. Sure, <laughs> but I, I think it was a good race, but I think they were plenty better this year. Uh, yeah, okay, I still think it's better than fine. Sorry, carry on. And for me, Thank the you. only one that has underperformed this year is Belgium. And I still think that was better than what most people think it was. Because I know Spain and... um, Yeah, I get get your point on Russia, really. But Spain and Russia weren't great. And particularly Spain was not very good at all. But, I mean, it's pretty par for the course, isn't it? It's not like... If we're comparing it to other seasons in the hybrid era, it's kind of just breaking even. Whereas Belgium usually delivers a decent race. And that's I think that's been the one letdown. But out of 16 races, that's pretty good going. Even without the championship battle, for me, I think this has been the best year of the hybrid era. I really do. I respect that. I respect that opinion. But would love to see a championship battle. So Bottas, plus. Or Russell. Or Or any of them. Albon, if you fancy trying once, that'd be nice. Dave Benson Phillips, (laughs) maybe. Yeah, Craig Charles. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) What is your perception with Craig Charles today? A robot wars go, and I love how he says activate on the three, two, one. I don't oh, think he's robot it. wars. Anyway. You got the filter in the corner. You know he's great. <laughs> it's the worst impression you've ever heard, but we'll get there. Let's let's move on to Fernando Alonso um, because he might well have debuted in Formula One 
nearly 20 years ago, and he might have won his first championship about 15 years ago. But in the eyes of the FIA, this classifies as young. Uh, young <laughs> driver test in Abu Dhabi is coming up after the, the weekend's race. Uh, and it's been the source of controversy as the FIA changed the rules to allow anyone who hasn't competed in the 2020 championship to drive in it. Uh, it is worth mentioning as well, it's not just the 39-year-old Alonso. It is also Robert Kubica, who's 36 years of age. Sebastian Buemi is going to be in there. He's 32. Um, so there there have also been rumours as well that Sebastian Vettel might turn out for Racing Point, given his move uh, next year. So, Sam, do you think the FIA are wrong to make this rule change? Yes. Why do Kubica need to be in it? Why does Buemi need to be in it? I don't... Alonso, I at least generally understand. He's going to be racing in a Formula One car next season and hasn't done now for, what, three, four seasons? So I, I, I get it. That makes sense to me that he needs a little bit of extra time to come up to speed, although it is Fernando Alonso. He's a two-time he left champion. in 2018. Was, oh, my God. Time is so slow. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's still pretty talented. The guy, It's not like the guy stopped racing in that time period. So even then, I think it's a bit dodgy. And there are a lot of young drivers waiting to get a chance that I'm now not going to get a chance because Fernando, the 39 two-time world champion, gets another quick drive in the Renault. You know, you get winter testing for that for a reason. If he's good enough, he'll settle into the seat quickly, which theoretically he is. So why is he there? Why has he got to do some laps? What's the point? And the same with Bramey. Bramey's got to drive elsewhere. I get that you're the, the, the reserve or test driver, but like, go and test thing. Go and do some testing elsewhere in a testing period. This is meant to be for young drivers to get some experience, to get a hand on an F1 car. They have to show what they're capable of and put some laps down. And there's a lot of young drivers that I've... I lot, hello, that's not going to be getting a seat in Formula 1 that could do with more time behind the wheel to show people off, to get sponsors, to pick up opportunities. Yeah, it's going to be kind of cool to see Alonso driving around a track, which I'm going to see again in March anyway. So... No, I disagree with it. I don't see the point in it. If you're going to do it, change the name from Young Drivers Test and um, get get over it, FIA. I think they've succumbed to some pressure there and I think it's a bit silly and I think it takes away from a lot of opportunity for youngsters that maybe can't afford it, don't get the opportunity because someone like Nikita Mazepin has half bought his way in but half earned his way in. Um, yeah, I think it's a little unfair. So I'm not for it. Harry, what do you think of this? I know you're a big Alonso fan. Oh, I love the man. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it though. Um, I know, I know what you know. Alonso has been seizing every opportunity he can to be ready for next year, but he is still Fernando Alonso, and he doesn't. He's yeah, he's been driving for a long time now. He knows how to drive fast. Um, yeah, and now, and now the rules just being exploited. Uh, Sam makes a very valid point. Why is Sebastian Buemi coming back? <laughs> what for? I mean, I got nothing against Buemi. Um, you know, the source of many of our jokes. But um, yeah, weird. And same for Kibitza. Like young drivers coming up through the ranks don't get many opportunities to to you know drive a Formula One car. You know, we saw it in. Uh, at the Nürburgring when there was two or three drivers that were set to drive and it was a complete washout in practice. They never got that chance. So, you know, these chances are even slimmer than, than, you know, you might think. So why they've taken it away from them. I mean, they haven't taken it away, but they've just allowed it to be, you know, that rule to be exploited just doesn't seem to make, make much sense. If they want to allow other drivers to come in and 
have a test and just make the test longer or have two tests or something. It's um, it's a silly one. And I think it's also because winter testing is just one winter test next year, isn't it? I think it's just one yeah, in Bahrain. Right. So three days is, again, lim- even shorter than they, 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 they used to. Um, so I, I guess that's why these teams are, are exploiting it. But um, yeah, Alonso and, you know, potentially Vettel, I can partly understand, although... They they're not young. Vettel's literally driving this year, um, but yeah, Buemi and Kubica, come on guys, you you don't need to be here. It's just silly. Just to say, with testing next year, I believe they've decided to stay in Barcelona. I know there were a lot of talks ah. about Bahrain, but I think they decided to stay in Barcelona. Not hundred percent sure on that. Um, yeah, I I think the FIA are wrong here. It's for goodness' sake, it's called a young driver test. Come on, like. And to be fair, if if I was running the show, and trust me, it's a good thing I'm not. If I was running the show, it, it wouldn't necessarily be a young driver test. I, I would actually just make it, and I would use a much better phrase, but an inexperienced driver test. Because I, I think that does unfairly rule out people who haven't raced in Formula One before who are older that might have an opportunity. Um, obviously, the test would still largely be for young drivers, but um i wouldn't necessarily put an age cap on it i would put an experience cap on it instead maybe 10 grand prix or five grand prix or whatever whatever sees fit um yeah i just don't don't understand it f1 needs to develop or, or needs to do everything they can in the development of these young drivers so that they can create the next generation of stars that's how the sport works You've got the you've got the guys at the moment. You've got the likes of Hamilton and Vettel, who are the who are the big stars of the current lot. And sooner or later, they're going to move away. And you just want to secure the future of Formula One to the best of your ability in a way that gives opportunities to drivers that could be there in a few years' time or even next year. Why not? Why not keep to the rules and make sure that they get these opportunities? It's one of the few things that the FIA does brilliantly well is give them this opportunity after Abu Dhabi and now they've just ruined it by by allowing anyone they want to go in there you literally uh, Joe Joe Saywood I've heard that he's he's having a go that's why he's in Abu Dhabi this weekend he's having nah, a race they're not gonna let him in <laughs> <laughs> lol um <laughs> so yeah I I think it's quite ridiculous that they've allowed this um but hey I don't think they're gonna care too much about what I have to say oh which is a crying shame, FIA. A crying shame. Anyway, let's move on. It's theme song time because it is time for F1 Guess the Year. It's F1 Guess the Year! Thank you very much, Sam. So, You're welcome. Harry versus Sam. I've got six uh, different years lined up in front of me, and there's three it's clues. 2021 of them. Uh, I'll give you a clue. None of them are 2020. 2020 is a year. <laughs> Thank you for the confirmation on that, Harry. You, you really are nailing that. Um, so, yeah, there are six overall, so you'll get three each. Uh, and I'll give you three clues as to what year I'm talking about. All you have to do is tell me the year. So, Sam, I'll start with you yeah. on this one. Go Pick on a then. number between one and six. Let's go with four. Number four. Okay. The runner-up in the championship won only one race. 
but finished only behind the champion by two points. Juan Pablo Montoya won a race this season. Mr. Chunky! Mr. Chunky himself. (laughs) Uh, And a driver broke the record for youngest to win a Grand Prix. Um, I'm going to go with a wrong answer and say 2004. No. Incorrect. No, I said that. I thought, what a stupid thing to say. Well, have you got an idea, Harry? What was the first? What was the first one again? The, the first, first one was that the runner-up of the championship won only one Grand Prix in that year, but only finished two points behind the champion. Two thousand and one. And what was the Mister Chunky one? Sorry, I wasn't he, really paying he, attention. He, he won a race. Oh, uh, probably, yeah, maybe two thousand and one. Uh, it's oh three, so. Ah. Kimi Raikkonen just behind uh, uh, Michael Schumacher in the championship, even though he only won one race. Uh, Montoya, he won the Monaco Grand Prix that year. Potentially another one, but he definitely won Monaco. Um, and Alonso broke the record for youngest driver to win a Grand Prix. Uh, yeah, that's well, I said 2004, I thought it's either Kimi or Alonso, and they've won before then. Uh, it's only, only one year out, Sam, unfortunately, but um. good guess. Harry, one to six, not number four. Three. Number three. So, the top four drivers in the championship that year were from dish, uh, different <laughs> different dish. nationalities. From the dishwasher. They were. Nice. They were. Oh, that makes it easy. They're from the dishwasher. Um, <laughs> in this season, Michael Schumacher scored 72 points. And the championship was decided, the drivers' championship was decided at the last race of the year. Blimey, O'Reilly. Um nineteen no. <laughs> when would Schumacher only had seventy two points? Nineteen 90. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 1999? Incorrect, I'm afraid. No, you got it. any ideas? Sam? How many points was it, sorry? 72. Uh, I reckon I'm going to go complete other end of the spectrum, and it's when he came back to Mercedes. Um, oh, yeah, good shout. And I'm going to go... Oh, it's, it's between two. And I don't think it's 2010. It is 2010, yeah. I mean, <laughs> one, once you work out that it's that end of the spectrum rather than the, the other end, um, and you know yeah. it's not 2011 because Vettel wrapped up the championship before the final race. Uh, yeah, so it was 2010. Um, and the top four drivers that year were from different nationalities. So um, you, you were both wrong on your first one. One slightly more wrong than the other, but wrong nonetheless. Sam, on to you. One, two, five, or six? Uh, Let's go six. Okay. Number six. Gilles Villeneuve makes his debut in F1. Jodie Schechter finishes runner-up in the championship with Wolf. Oh, not with Williams. And James Hunt is the highest-placed Brit in P5. Um... 
James Hunt. So that means it's at latest of early 80s. It's going to be late 70s. Safe African, my man. He was in there late 70s. It's a great accent. It's all like that. Um, every now and then it just becomes Cockney, which is my normal voice. Uh, <laughs> South Africans talk. I'm going to take a punt and go 77. Got it nailed on. 77. <laughs> right. Guest. Yeah, James Hunt finished P5 the year after he won the championship. Schechter was runner-up a couple of years before he won the title. And Jill Villeneuve made his debut for McLaren at the British Grand Prix before turning out for Ferrari in the last two races. So well done, Sam. First right Thank one you. of the day. Harry, one, two or five? One, please. Number one. The Drivers' Championship was won by half a point. Ayrton Senna scores his first podium in Formula One. And F1 races in Dallas and Detroit. I think it's 1984. Ooh, it is the 1984. Speed. The speed. Great answer. Good old Monaco 84. Monaco 84, Senna's first podium. Uh, Lauder wins the championship by half a point ahead of Alain Prost. And F1 races in Dallas and Detroit, both of which were questionable to say the least in terms of the car parks. Absolute well, car park. Yeah. Anyway, well done. You're one all with one to go each. So, Sam, you've got a choice. Do you want the second one or do you want the fifth one? Uh, I'll stick with even numbers. I'll go for number two. All right, we'll go for number two then. McLaren moved to Bridgestone Tyres. Adrian Newey leaves Williams for McLaren. And only three teams win a race this season. Jordan, McLaren and Ferrari. Oh, who moved from McLaren to Williams? Adrian Newey. Ah, oh, okay. So we need to go back a bit when the tyres change. I went from McLaren to Williams. Uh, Williams to McLaren. Unless I said I might have said that the wrong way around. Oh, went okay. from went from Williams to McLaren. I was going to say I didn't think you went that way. I'm going to take a punt at 97, but there's every chance that he moved in 96. So good guess. Um, it's one year out, I'm afraid. It's one year the other oh. way. 98. Damn. Okay. I'm happy with only being a year out. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, Damon Hill winning the 98 Belgian Grand Prix was the only one that McLaren and Ferrari didn't win that year. So those three oh, teams. I should have known that. Bloody Jordan. Screw me over. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about Eddie. Eddie Eddie Jordan that way, <laughs> honestly. So, Harry, you have a chance to win this 2-1 if you can get this one right. So it's number five by default. Um, the Lotus 72 oh, is the car hell. as Lotus win the Constructors' Championship. Jackie Stewart wins four Grand Prix in this season. Oh, and em- Emerson Fittipaldi wins the World Championship. Oh, I know this one. Oh, I don't know. The Lotus 72. Let's say it's 1973. It's 1972. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so obvious. <laughs> well, yeah, but Lotus used the 70s yeah. cars like multiple they times. They did, yeah. Um, 
Jackie Stewart won his final championship in 73. Um, Fittipaldi won his first one in 72. So um, it's a one, it's a stalemate. One all draw. Melly. I'll play the stale, outro. Mate. <laughs> you're, you're a stalemate. Ah, Gary. Your boring friend. Outro. outro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on. I, I, you've caught me off guard. <laughs> oh, no, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Ace was it. <laughs> oh, someone gets me in. <laughs> I feel like it's been about four years since I asked you to play the outro. <laughs> Sorry, this, this Max Verstappen's just won his third title. Goodness <laughs> me. Anyway, we've got the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix coming up this weekend. We'll, of course, be here for the review podcast after the Grand Prix. But, Sam, if you wouldn't mind, until then, getting us out of here. Folks, it is the final preview of the season. So give it some love. Share it around. Tell your gang. It's always good to get your gang involved. They're quite lovely. Um, get over to YouTube. There's a video of us playing Formula One drunk like a bunch of morons that we are it's quite funny it's a bit silly enjoy it for kind of 20 minutes uh give it a like share it subscribe over there be helpful join in the conversation at l breaking on twitter it's honorable to have you there of course we'll be tweeting and then live after the race this weekend for the finale and we've got much more entertaining content coming throughout the winter period in the meantime i've been sacking i've been burn hawking i've been emerson fitzpaldi and remember keep breaking like
Social Podcast Network.